The fact that I hadn't isolated a few core insights at the heart of great leadership, or managing, or sustained individual success, didn't mean that these insights didn't exist. It simply meant that I hadn't yet been focused enough to get it done. Carrie's wish, and the many similar wishes I heard in the weeks following, pushed me to get focused. People wanted to reach down into the heart of the matter. I was, I realized, in a perfect position to help them get there. My research at Gallup mostly consisted of surveying large numbers of people in the hopes of finding broad patterns in the data. Now, in my effort to get to the core, I would use this foundation as the jumping-off point for deeper, more immersive, more individualized research. I wouldn't survey a large number of good performers. Instead, I would identify one or two elite players, one or two people who, in their chosen roles and fields, had measurably, consistently, and dramatically outperformed their peers. In the end, these individuals covered a wide range, from the executive who transformed a failing drug into the best-selling prescription drug in the world, the president of one of the world's largest retailers, the customer service representative who sold more than 1,500 Gillette deodorants in one month, all the way to the screenwriter who penned such blockbusters as Jurassic Park and Spider-Man. And having identified them, I planned to investigate the practical, seemingly banal details of their actions and their choices. Why did the executive turn down repeated promotions before taking on the challenge of turning around that failing drug? Why did the retail president invoke the memory of his working-class upbringing when defining his company's strategy? The deodorant-selling customer service representative works the night shift. Is this relevant to her performance? One of her hobbies is weightlifting. Odd? Yes. But can it in any way explain why she is so successful so consistently? What was each of these special people actually doing that made them so very good at their role? I have chosen to focus this deep dive on the three roles that are the most critical if you are to achieve something significant in your life and then sustain and expand this achievement, namely the roles of manager, leader, and individual performer. In part one of this audio program, we focus on the two roles that underpin sustained organizational success. Number one, what is the one thing you need to know about great managing? To get the best performance from your people, you have to be able to execute a number of different roles very well. You have to be able to select people effectively. You have to set expectations by defining clearly the outcomes you want. You have to motivate people by focusing on their strengths and managing around their weaknesses. And as they challenge you to help them grow, you have to learn how to steer them toward roles that truly fit them, rather than simply promoting them up the corporate ladder. Each of these roles involves significant subtlety and complexity. But without denying this complexity, is there one deep insight that underpins all of these roles, and that all great managers keep in the top of their minds? We'll learn the answer later in this audio program. Number two. What is the one thing you need to know about great leading? When you study truly effective leaders, the first thing that strikes you is just how different they are. I could use any number of examples from today's business world, but instead, think back to the first four presidents of the United States. Although each of them experienced great success in rallying people toward a better future, their styles could not have been more dissimilar. George Washington's leadership style was to project an image of soundness and constancy, but he's not remembered as an inspiring visionary. In direct contrast, the second U.S. president, John Adams, was, 
an inspiring visionary. He was so gifted a public speaker that he could hold a vociferous congress in rapt silence for hours. However, he was at his best only when railing against a perceived foe, which most of the time happened to be Great Britain. His successor, Thomas Jefferson, did not require a foe to bring out the best in him. Sitting alone at his writing desk, he could conjure compelling word pictures from the blank sheets in front of him. And yet, in contrast to Adams, he so feared public speaking that he changed the protocol, so that all of his State of the Union addresses were written out and then handed to an assistant who ran down the street and delivered them to Congress. James Madison was different again. Unable to rely on inspiring word pictures to lead, he opted for a more pragmatic, political approach, working the floor of Congress and one by one building the alliances necessary to advance his agenda.